It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. Remember when you were a kid and you would have guests come over to your house and you were on your best behavior, especially when family came, like grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncles, and you didn't argue and you didn't yell at each other. Well, once they leave, it gets real. And that is what happened this past week in the North Carolina Senate. That's right. The Senate, I believe, has decided to move some of their priorities early in the session, particularly because the House has the budget first. Mm. So you're going to see more of the policy bills move on the Senate side. And they started with a bang. Mm-hmm. Parents, Bill of Rights. Senate Bill 49, right out of the gate, it dropped Tuesday afternoon around 4 o'clock. Within 15 minutes, a notice goes out saying the Senate expects to hear it in education the following morning. The bill officially gets read in Wednesday morning, and what was expected becomes reality. Everyone is in Senate education hearing a bill That seems to divide the General Assembly right down party lines. So the Senate bill, this Parents' Bill of Rights, is being led by the Senate education chairs. So that's Senator Amy Gailey, Senator Michael Lee, and Senator Lisa Stone Barnes. They are moving the bill, and it's very obviously a leadership bill, something they had discussed beforehand which is why the bill was ready to be moved. And it's a new iteration of the bill that the Senate passed last year with some changes in that. There was a question that came up again and again last year about whether if a student initiated a question to a teacher, whether the teacher was able to answer that question. This is around gender identity and sexual orientation. And that was explicitly out of this bill. So if a student asks a question, the teacher can answer it. And I believe the bill sponsors feel that that eases some of the concerns that they heard last year. There seems to be general agreement among all sides that parents do have rights and should be involved in the education and health and mental health of their children. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sky. seems to me the rub is, is that the Democrats are saying there are some students out there that don't come from very healthy families. They come from dangerous families. They come from families where, you know, their life could be at stake if it was to be learned that they have this sexual orientation or they want to go by these pronouns. Republicans rebut that and say, look, we're only talking about K through four here. We're not talking about middle school and high school. And I think a lot of this is caught up into the national politics about around this. We've seen other bills that more draconian in other states, not to at all diminish any of the detraction about this bill. But there is a lot of debate, and I think the two sides probably need to be doing some more talking. More importantly, probably need to be doing some more listening. We've had a lot of discussion on the podcast around abortion, what we think that the leadership is going to push. And this week, well, last week, actually, the Democratic caucuses in each chamber filed a bill to codify Roe and Casey. And it turned out that all Democratic members 
in both the House and the Senate signed on to that bill. And you saw a lot of celebration about this immediately after online. Indicating that because all the Democrats signed on to this Roe and Casey bill, that meant a veto could be sustained if the Republican majority passed anything that was weaker than the Roe or Casey bill. Well, that is not the case. Leader Robert Reeves said in the paper, I definitely would not try to presuppose or to go forward thinking that, okay, a signature on this means all those other things are going to happen because we really don't know what they're going to do. You don't. A bill that has not yet been filed got a lot of attention this week, and that is because Senator Berger stated that he was ready to move forward with a bill to remove the literacy test from our Constitution. This is an embarrassing constitutional amendment that was added to the North Carolina Constitution in 1900. It was in response to slaves being free persons here in North Carolina, We put a literacy test in our Constitution. It's an embarrassment. It is a vestige of the Jim Crow era. And it's a proud moment to hear Senator Berger say that, you know, it's time we take it out. Now, there is a process by which we follow to amend the North Carolina Constitution. And Senator Berger pointed out that the last time we tried to take this out of the Constitution, it failed. Of course, that was 50 years ago. Hopefully, times have changed. But you want to talk a little bit about how do you amend the North Carolina Constitution? A constitutional amendment or any changes to our Constitution. First, they will move, the bill will move through the process like any other bill would, but they do have to reach that three fifths majority in the chambers. And then it goes on your ballot to vote for or against whatever the measure is. And that's a simple majority yes. once it goes to the people. The question about this is a lot of times you'll have pollsters, political operatives, who are thinking, when's the best time to put this on in a, on the ballot? It could be in a primary campaign. So we usually have our primaries in March, I believe, for presidential. Do you want to bring it into a general election? I'm sure... Uh, This is something that will be looked into to see how it will affect the different partisan turnout for any given election. I would put my bet on we'll see this in a primary election. Good move by the General Assembly if it happens. On the House side this week, there wasn't much action, but Speaker Tim Moore did refile his riot bill from last session. And that bill was vetoed by the governor and was not taken up again. But this time there is a little difference. He has a Democrat as a primary sponsor on the bill with him, Representative Shelley Willingham, a Democrat from Edgecombe County. We've talked about him on the podcast because he recently got a chairmanship of the ABC committee. That's basically your liquor law here in North Carolina. Republicans only need one Democrat to vote with them to override a governor's veto. Shelley Willingham, I would presume, would vote for his own bill, would (laughs) vote to override a veto. Of course, stranger things have happened, Sky. On this particular bill, last time it was in the House, both Representative Willingham and Representative Ray voted for the bill. So if that's any indicator, 
of what they may do this time, you might have a couple extra votes. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about a couple of bills. You know, we're only two weeks into session and there aren't a lot of bills yet. Still in the low numbers. Yeah, still in the 50s, I believe, wow. in each chamber. A couple of the interesting bills that are maybe not headline bills. Representative Brendan Jones, our friend down in Columbus County, he is very concerned that more and more businesses are requiring a credit card, and he wants to require them to take cash. That's House Bill 20. Mm -hmm. And as someone whose parents carry cash a lot, we own a car wash. (laughs) (laughs) What do they do, just walk around with quarters? Um, paying, trying to pay the restaurant tab. Sometimes, if, when my mom came out here, she had all this cash in her purse, and I was like, "You need to hide that. What are you doing?" <laughs> That's a great business. So, I asked Representative Jones, "Where did this come from?" He said, "It's a couple things. Where you know, he goes to a, out to eat, and he just wants to pay cash, and they're like, "Hey, we only accept credit card." And he finds this to be discriminatory, discriminatory. Yeah, especially. And he talked about in Columbus County. He's been on our podcast, by the way, He talked about Columbus County. Not everyone has a credit card or a debit card. And we need to require this. So I did talk to some folks who were in the industry, some lobbyists who are concerned about the bill. They're definitely going to go talk to Representative Jones because, you know, they have some businesses that for very practical reason don't accept cash but especially if you're getting reservations and you're buying tickets online things like that but it might need some loopholes but yeah representative jones is serious and uh, you know it's funny sometimes bills they come from constituents sometimes they're very serious bills like this parent bill of rights or the rioting bill sometimes legislators you know they're just regular folks they're living life and something happens They're like, you know what? I think I'll change the law on this. And this happened this week when we saw a Keith Kidwell bill, Representative Keith Kidwell. He filed a very interesting bill. So his bill is House Bill 32, and it's called Service Customer Equal Value Time Act. So the impetus of this bill is, you know, you call the phone company or the internet provider, whoever, and they give you that time period that they're supposed to come to your house or office to repair or do whatever they need to do for that appointment. And basically, it says in the same way that if you were late or didn't show up for an appointment, you have to pay a fee, they should have to pay the customer a fee. I agree. I knew you would. A hundred percent. I mean, so here's the deal. You have to cancel on the dentist and they'll say, well, you know, it's our policy, 24 hours. And, you know, we're going to charge you this late fee. But then they'll call you on a Wednesday night for your Thursday appointment to say, hey, Dr. Smith can't make it tomorrow. You know, she's sick or out of town. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I have a policy that I'm going to charge you. If he, I, I think Representative Kidwell's bill does this, and so I'm behind it 100%. Didn't you also say that you wanted it to be applicable to doctor's offices if they're behind in schedule just yeah. generally yeah not if they cancel just like if you have to wait longer if you have to wait longer if you bill by the six minute increment do you <laughs> do yeah okay here here's the big question could this apply to the general assembly how many times have we supposed to be in session at three o'clock and we're four we're still looking at our watch yeah i'm gonna apply it just to you if you're late 
or when you tell me you're going to be somewhere, you're going to start having to pay me. <laughs> well, these are good bills. We're going to keep an eye on some of these fun bills. I call them kind of the Lee Zachary bills, where he's just riding to Raleigh and sees problems and files bills. He was great for that. Yeah, that printer bill. The printer <laughs> printer bill. <laughs> we, we should think about just bills like that that we see in life all the time. You know what else I would like to go ahead and tackle with the cash bill? The QR code oh, at the yeah. dinner table. Like when I go out to eat, first of all, not everyone has a phone. I went with my secretary at Casa, who is 70 something, and she just has a flip phone. So she had to use my phone to look at the menu mm-hmm. and you had to pay on your phone too. And so I had to pay for her, which wasn't a big deal, but also it encourages everyone to sit at your dinner table with your phone out. What other bills? And you know, I'm anti being on your phone while eating. I know you are. What other things can we change? Well, this is my presidential platform. <laughs> when you get on a plane, we're going to board the plane from back to front. Yes, agree. <laughs> that, in- that includes first class. You guys are getting on last. And if you are standing in the aisle, you get put to the back of the line. When the plane lands and you're one of the people that stand and push through, like, what is wrong with you? We've put a man on the moon, but we can't figure out how to get on an airplane. Another bill. If you, <laughs> now that you brought it up, if you are speaking on your phone, on speakerphone, in public, you have to go straight to prison. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sorry, them's the rules. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You also have some unsubstantiated rumors. Got pulled aside today. Actually, it's Thursday. We're recording the podcast. A senator said... Ben Clark for lieutenant governor, and then he walked away. So we're putting it out there. I'm not even going to go through the list of everyone who's rumored for lieutenant governor because apparently it's everyone except... Hot job. Yeah, me and you. Also have another unsubstantiated rumor. This came from a conversation we had earlier in the week. Someone who knows EPA Administrator Michael Regan, who, by the way, was on Tim Boyum's podcast this week. Great interview with Tim. Said that he texted Michael Regan to say, hey, is it true that you might be running for governor in 2024? Asked him a few other questions. And here's the little fact that I learned is that Michael Regan answered every single question except the question, Are you running for governor in 2024? So his non-answer, kind of interesting. You could look into it either way. But, you know, being talked about, Josh Stein declared early because he thinks there's someone out there or he knows someone's out there. But anyway. But also that is in conflict with the multiple sources that spoke to whoever ran that article last week saying he was going to go into the private sector and would run statewide, but not this cycle. Maybe it's one of those things where it only benefits Michael Regan if his name keeps getting floated out there. So I guess we're playing into that in some ways. Whether there's a primary on the Democratic side or Republican side, I'm sure we'll know in the next couple months. Also feels like we're getting closer to having someone on the Republican side announce for AG. Yeah, we heard someone's ordered some hats this week in the General Assembly. Said we'll have them in a couple weeks. Do you want to say anything else? You want to say something else? I don't know. All right. We'll wait for those hats. (laughs) 
when they do arrive here at the office, we'll let folks know and we'll even put it on Twitter. So one of the names that have been discussed on the House side as someone who's willing to work with Republicans and was given a chairmanship is Representative Garland Pierce. And we sat down with him this week to discuss the legislature in his life. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative Garland Pierce, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here this morning on this overcast day and dreary day here in the capital city. (laughs) To start us off, tell us about your district. Where is your district? Why is your district special? I'm in House District 48, which is Scotland County and Hope County. Uh, The district was four counties at one time, but when they redrew it, they drew it's a compact district. We're hoping right there is about 82,000 people. A lot of Fort Bragg uh, military folks in Hope County, as you well know, and that area's really grown. It's the bigger of the of the district. Scotland is losing population as we speak, but uh, it's more of a uh, retirement type area. So it's, that's the difference in them. Hope County, uh, the, the the economic. I mean, it's one of, as you well know, it's one of the fastest growing counties. It's in the United States, and mm-hmm. it really is. If you take the sign down, it says Hope County. You would almost think you're in Cumberland County because this it's a bedroom community just right there together. Uh, it's just so much going on in Hope. Scotland is still trying to find its way. Lost a lot of industry over the years, but uh, hopefully with uh, all this going on, uh, maybe they can uh, come on up a little bit. But Hope is really the, they really get it did over there. You and I spoke about this as we were talking about you coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You're one of the longest serving members in the General Assembly. You're, I don't tell that too much, though. You know? <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know about this. is a setup. <laughs> Are we going no, on 20 I mean, years? Excuse me? 20 years? I started 19 this, uh, this I call them semester. This semester. <laughs> like I'm in college, right? <laughs> yeah, but 19 years. So, yes. Uh, as you t- We talked earlier. There's a lot of folks who... Uh, we was a call to roll. A lot of those folks are gone, as you well know. Yeah. Uh, guys I came in with, uh, just mentors and people. And uh, you think about it, Mickey Michelle or Wayne Wright, Emma, just so many folks. Yeah. Uh, Mary McAllister. Those are the type of folks oh, I came gosh. in with. I start calling names. You got to remember some of them folks. But, yeah, I mean, it's, when I look back over my career here, uh, thank you for letting me be on the show this morning. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's just it's amazing because a lot of new folks, they are definitely new folks. I mean, yeah. that some of them have what? Uh, one term or two term or so, they just uh, learning how it all works. So, yeah. But we, are, you know, I hope I can uh, help them. But it's a, uh, it's a, it's a different ball game from years ago. I can say that. Yeah. It's, it's just different. When you came but in, see, I, when I came in, I was in the, I was in the majority, right? Majority party. But right. there's some folks who've never served in the majority. You know, so <laughs> I'm not laughing at them, but. But I mean, I've, I've had both sides of it. And I know the 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 impact of being a chair and. Just being so you can walk around the building, you know, big shot, you know, you, uh-huh. know, you know what I'm saying. But, yeah. but not a lot of folks have had that opportunity. <laughs> you got me laughing at my own people not listening to me this morning. <laughs> but you're making me laugh about it. But I mean, it's, it's a good thing, though. And I'm yeah. glad people are serving those. Fine. But you're a chair this year. You're in the minority. You have a gavel this year. Can you talk about that? 
gavel. What are you talking about? You got your chair of a committee. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is right. <laughs> they didn't give you a gavel? Uh, hey, wait a minute. But no, the, th the thing is, you know, th just thank for the opportunity. Uh, when you've been around a long time and you're willing to uh, work in a bipartisan way, yeah. Uh, sometimes you're rewarded for that, you know, by just being a bipartisan. I think folks back home, particularly the district I serve in, they send me here to work in a bipartisan way. My district, th that partisan uh, labor, you know, they, don't, they don't really like that down my way. They just want you to come to Raleigh, do what's best for Scotland County and Hope County, whatever that takes, that you don't have to lose your soul to do it. That's what they expect us to do. And I, and I understand that. I mean, I tell folks all the time, uh, sometimes ideas come from both sides of the aisle. And it, you, it, what's, wrong with, what's wrong with supporting good ideas that benefit the state of North Carolina and particularly the district you come from? And my district is one that, uh, as you well know, is like one of the last districts that it's, it's just really right down the middle almost in uh, Scotland Hope County. I mean, that's just the reality of it, as you well know. Rural area, so they, their views are different on a whole lot of things there. One of the rural Democrats left, right? At least along that corridor from Charlotte to Hoke to the coast. Yeah, yeah. Those Democrats yeah. are gone from 20 years ago. I'm thinking. You think about a Dewey Hill Dewey and all Hill. that. Hey, Dewey, you hadn't heard that name in a while. I haven't, haven't. haven't. He's still around. Yeah. Grocer down in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Brendan Jones has his, yeah, his yeah. seat now. Well, when you leave uh, Mecklenburg County and cross the line into, uh, as, as, as Pride Gibbs would call it, Anson County. Uh, I'm the only Democrat on that 74 corridor before you get to the beach. So, Got it. so if anybody needs ref a Democrat needs refreshment, <laughs> I can help them right there in Alarmburg and Scotland. But after then, they're on their own to the beach. Own. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really something to think about though, because <laughs> that corridor used to be uh, Democratic control, as you well know. When uh -huh. you leave there prior, uh, Goodwin was well. You know, I'm talking about you know the, the husband and wife used to yeah, serve Wayne there. Goodwin, yeah, Melanie Goodwin, and, and all that crowd. Ken and then, Goodman, yeah. Then Charles Graham and uh, Ronnie Sutton. Yeah. So while, you remember those names? You you, you don't know them, do you, Scott? Yeah. Some of them. Yeah, but, Ed Nye. I remember yeah, Ed Nye. Yeah. But see, that was really Democratic country. But I really don't know what that means. But I think many of our rural areas, you well know, um, they're trending uh, Republican. Yeah. You know, so for different reasons, you know. And you're and you're trying to balance that. Yes. You're trying to reflect that vote. It must be hard because you wanna you wanna be bipartisan. You've certainly got your democratic values. I assume you're a Democrat for a reason, and that must be really hard being a legislator doing that. Well, I think that's. I, that's good. Thank you for asking that. And I think, but when people know you as an individual, number one. And your values and what you stand for, and coming from the rural areas, as you said, it's just a different set of values. And I mean, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, rural people just they still uh, have, uh, going back to their childhood and the way they were read up, you know, they, they haven't been really infected by a lot of things that's, you know, and I'm not knocking people in. You know, don't get me wrong sure. in our urban areas, but it's just different because most of those people stay there. Uh, they come up like family farms and that that whole concept of family and rural area is still embedded in a lot of people. They, sure. they go to church together. They shop together. They go to school together. And a lot of those values they still hold on to. So and I get that. And I don't and I try to balance that. It, it is it is it's not easy, but uh, after 18 years of balancing, I mean, there's some votes that I've taken that. Uh, as you well know, you've been around that uh, I had to balance and, and I could uh, I could live with my vote, you know, mm -hmm. and I think folks back home knew whatever I was doing was in the best interest. Because I think the thing is, Brian, thank you for letting me be on your show this morning. Let me talk a little bit. But see, you, you, when you represent a district like the district I'm in, it's almost like 50-50. Mm -hmm. now, now, what do you do when it's 50-50? <laughs> 
See, if I was 80-20, but when yeah. it's 50-50, it's a balancing act. Sure. And it's always, you like, and you're going to get it from both sides one way or the other. But when you do the best you can, that's all you can do. You can't please. There's a statement, you can't please everybody. But, uh, you know, we try to do the best we can to do what's best for the district. They're probably fine on your budget votes. They're probably fine on bringing economic development or even bringing projects back home. Yes, sir. It is those social issues in the rural areas that seem to really be difficult in districts for Democrats. And they remind you of that every chance they get. Yeah. You know, you, you're gonna, somebody's going to catch you downtown. Somebody's going to see you somewhere. Uh, particularly church. <laughs> so they're going to talk to you about these issues, you know, and some of, some people kind of silent. They don't say much, but you know, deep down inside how they feel about things. And I think they can live with, with whatever decisions you make, but they remind you of um, the values that they uh, hold on to. And I, and I can understand that. I mean, I've, I've been around. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, social issues do. And I think that's what really uh, keeps the general assembly sometime in a little uproar yeah it may be a good way to use it but just mm -hmm. uh if we could we could limit that i think we'd be much better but for some reason uh either party on certain issues they're gonna push it it's always gonna be that way but i wonder when will it come to the point that social issues are that we're not trying to legislate some things mm -hmm. through the general assembly yeah and i think that's you know i'm not gonna say that's everywhere because i don't really uh, the other, uh, I don't know what other states are doing, but I don't really hear as much. And I, I'm a very advocate reading about stuff. But I don't hear as much as we deal with here in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys might know better than me. Y'all, y'all in the business, but you're in the uh, business. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you guys, you know, you do it for a living. <laughs> you do it for a living. No, 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 no. Thirteen thousand dollars a living? Oh, really? <laughs> okay, thank you, Brian. <laughs> really? You try living off thirteen thousand dollars? I can't live in a place like. Oh, okay, be quiet, please. Don't talk about this place. <laughs> But yeah, but uh, but I, I just pray that the day will come that we can uh, future gener future legislation come and not get bogged down on. And I believe that that time will come because after a while, you've about legislated everything. <laughs> Social. I mean, I'm just you know, I ain't making people laugh this morning. But I mean, what what what's left? Yeah. So, but there again, I don't know. Something Might be on. something else. Yeah, something oh God, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> bleep! <laughs> can you bleep that off? You talked you. a little bit about values in your district and how people grew up. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up. We know you're a native North right. Carolinian. Yeah. Tell us about your story. Well, I raised. I was raised up in the rural areas of uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm from Fayetteville, and a uh, little place up one mile, two miles off Fort Bragg, a place called Yakin Road. One of the major roads years ago, Bragg Boulevard and Yakin Road came from basically downtown and went into Bragg. And uh, rural area out there, still there, and uh, raise up, you know, community, and uh, everybody was your uh, was in charge of your behavior, your conduct. They would tell grandmama, mama, what you were doing. So those type of things, you know. And back then, you didn't realize that you were poor. You know, you thought everybody was everybody had the same basically income, and you enjoyed what you had. It was this time of uh, in the summertime. Uh, I'll make you laugh. Just out eating wild berries and just enjoying life and mm -hmm. uh, drinking pump water. Some of you listen might not know anything about yeah, pump, pump water. Man. And just that time, just a good time of life. And um, and after I finished high school, 71st high school, went to Chestnut first before they integrated. Uh, finished 71st high school, went to the military, stayed 33 months, came back and went to Fayetteville State University, finished Fayetteville State University. 
Went to UPS to take some other guys to get a job, but I ended up getting a job staying there 25 years myself. Mm-hmm. Retired. And about a year after I retired, I came to the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. So here I am. And I've been in the ministry for 42 years. Okay. That's a long time. That is. That's a long time. You know, I can go back to my family graveyard and see my family there. So those are things about rural areas. You still value those type things. And um, so that's that's who I am. What what made you get into politics? What what made you make that leap 19 years ago? I was always part of the NACP, always okay. do community, uh, doing stuff in the community. Uh, and being a clergy and just doing community work. And it just seemed like it was uh, when the door opened, the, the former member, Mr. Donna Bonner, who's deceased now, when he stepped down, it was a wide open seat. So, hey, I said, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to term, I just tried, you know, but yeah. I mean, I was serious and committed to what I was getting ready to do. And the voters agreed that I was the better person. It was two other persons running at that time, uh, one former county commissioner and one school board member. And I just came as an, uh, not a neophyte. That's not where I'm looking for. It just came as a newcomer yeah. uh, to that. And uh, but there again, working at UPS, I knew a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a big employer. <laughs> Going to a lot of doors and knocking on doors and being a part of the clergy, mm-hmm. so I was well known. So that helped a little bit. I think I won by first time run out of two people by 220 votes out of three people running. So that was a good number. And since then, I've been successful in all of my runs. So, yeah. So here we go. You know, here okay. we go. Did you grow up active in the Democratic Party or was your family active? How did you become a Democrat? In my neighborhood, now that you ask that question, I never heard, well, I'm not going to say I didn't because back then, uh, the old uh, NACP, the older NACP president would go around and get people to vote. And that was in the, like the 50s. Mm. I was born in 53. So th- there were people who were advocating for people to vote, and I remember mm-hmm. that uh, the, the you know, so I remember that. But uh, but see, downtown, uh, most people when you lived in town, is what we called it around Fayetteville. It was more active in the city limits than sometime yeah. in the rural areas. You, you know, just yeah. never hear too much. And, and now thinking back, I don't even know where people in my neighborhood uh, went to vote back then. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I, and I should have known that, but I don't remember the, not that much conversation. But I think people were. Always amazed at certain presidents or folks that was uh, elected to office that they celebrated based on what they thought they would do uh, for particularly for minorities. You could understand. So. Yeah. But I didn't hear that much about politics back then as much as as much as now. A lot of lobbyists and legislators are going to want me to ask this question. Yes, sir. It is a tight margin in the House as it pertains to supermajorities. Democrats are holding on by one vote. Your name has been mentioned, Shelley Willingham, Michael Ray, Trisha Cotham. You all have gavels. You're all committee chairs. You guys, and you said it even earlier, you're always willing to work with the Republicans, and that's nothing new. This goes back 20 years ago. You were always very bipartisan, but just give me your hot take on how you perceive House Democrats being able to work with Republicans. Do you see the veto override as an issue that you're thinking about? Do you have any reflections on that? Okay, well, thank you. I think that's a, that's an issue. Cause, I mean, I, I go to bed at night thinking about it, and I wake up in the morning thinking about it because I know it's going to come to that eventually. There's some issues that that I believe, well, I just say that that I'm willing to, uh, you know, vote with the, the party about. I mean, because some of the issues are not bad issues. I mean, it's just things that it might be some heartburn by some folks, but I'm willing to uh, 
reason with it and, and do what I need to do. Like I said, I've been up here uh, 19 years. All their ideas are not bad ideas. And I, I mean, I wouldn't sit here on this show and tell you that. There's some things that, that I value, some things that I agree with, you know, when you really reason with them. But uh, you call those names and what, what they'll do, what they might not do. Uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, mm-hmm. all I can control is my one vote. And uh, there'll be times that I, I can work with the speaker. And he knows it'll be sometimes I can't. You know, that's sure. just, <laughs> that's just a, a reality. But I just think it is something to think about when it's a one-vote margin. That's I, mean, a lot that's, of pre- I, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of pressure uh, on. And then sometimes you might have a surprise person that you don't even think that might, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, you got the four known suspects. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Hello. <laughs> I mean, you know, because everybody's calling our name. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, these, are the, these are the folks to watch. Yeah. Know? I mean, I don't think any of them have anything to hide. They're going to do what they got to do. And uh, uh, many of us realize that. Uh, in order to be be at the table, there's a saying: if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So mm-hmm. it's important to be at the table because what what I realize, Brian, is this: if you're at the table, there's a lot of folks that probably feel that they don't want to be a part of that, mm-hmm. but they want things, they need things, they need help. And if you are not there, I mean, sometimes the party in power is not obliged to uh, doing things for you. I mean, you right. you don't put your stake in the ground and you're just willing to be not to play i mean mm-hmm. and play it up that's not a good way to say it but to be a part of it i mean you, you, yeah. you're not going to win them all you're not going to lose them all but i think you need to be amenable and willing to just say well let, we can work with you on this and i think there are some things that that i feel over the years that i'm willing to work with uh and i just determined the party in power i mean they, they've got the power they, so what do you do either you just sit there and no, 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 no. Party of no. Uh, you just like, well, I'm willing to work with you on this, but uh, when I have this issue, I'm willing, could you work? I mean, it's it's all about working together. I've been up here a while, and I hate to say it. He who has the goal makes the rules, and you might not like them. You might uh, fight against them, but uh, at some point, you need to know uh, when when you this, this is it. You know, it's nothing yeah. more I can do. It's not the, I don't I don't have a problem with anybody fighting on any issue. Fight, sure. fight, fight. But at some point, you need to know well. Uh, throw in the towel if you can't, because you just keep keep an uproar, and it's not gonna it's not gonna work. You feel retribution though. We just came out of an elect- election cycle where we did see a Democrat who was working with the party in power suffered a primary loss. Is that it? Does that enter into your calculation, or are you just trying to plow ahead and do what's right for your district? Plow ahead and do what's right. Yeah, because I mean, it's gonna come a time when all of us are gonna go home yeah. by hook or crook or whatever way. You're going to go home. So yeah. I think why you're here, if you're afraid of that, then you're probably not going to do anything, yeah. you know, because like you said, uh, folks back home expect you to do something that either they believe in what you're doing or what you've tried to do. Uh, like I said, Raleigh's a place of politics and politics. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're concerned about that, you probably won't do anything. Yeah. Because I mean, I will admit this time, uh, since you got me on your show, I was surprised that I lost the very county I live in for 32 years. It, you came out of a bruiser this past Hello. Yeah, we saw that. So for what reasons, I don't know. But uh, but people have a right to vote. But I was yeah. I will admit on your show today that I was really surprised to lose a county that I lived in for 32 years. We're talking and, about Hope County. No, Scotland. Oh, Scotland. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised at that. You know, it's the nature of the business we're in. So, you know, yeah. uh, but... Here I am, so 
I just keep doing what I can. <laughs> Why I'm here this time? Yeah. I don't ever know what the future holds. Nobody knows what the future Nobody. holds. Nobody. Sometimes people lose elections, and it's just because of people's like, well, we need to go a different direction. And I get that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I'm not ready to go yet. But uh, after this session, uh, you know, I have 20 years. I mean, I don't. What can I complain about? You know, but I hope that's not the case. And I, I want to go out on my own terms. I want to do it my way. <laughs> Who sings that song? Who sings that song? Frank Sinatra. I, want to do it my I did it my way. way. I did it my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no. But that, yeah, that was a a wake up call. But I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not gonna back off that. I have a question about now versus then. What is the biggest difference that you've seen in the General Assembly, 2023 versus 2005? What Democrats in charge? <laughs> <laughs> you had more gavels. Um, I'm gonna tell you one thing, and I understood the rules. I think when we stopped fellowshipping, by that I mean, you remember, Brian, mm-hmm. when we could go out and eat and solve a lot of things over a uh, steak and a uh, baked potato, mm-hmm. and and know one another. You don't know your colleagues now. Mm-hmm. You don't know your colleagues, and that keeps you. You don't know anything about the children, the family. You don't. Back then, you remember Brian. You might not remember. I we do. would go out to eat. The, the lobbyists uh, had the opportunity to invite five Democrats, five Republicans. We sit there, we eat, we laugh, we joke. J- j- you know, just a good time. But I think when that happened, that really took something out of us. We just don't have that fellowship anymore. That's that's one key fact that I believe anybody, the old times of guys around, somebody was talking about it this morning mm-hmm. at the breakfast this morning. Somebody was talking about we're not able to get together anymore. And I believe just like people who play golf, you're on a golf course, you cut the deal on a golf course. You, mm-hmm. you, you fellowship, you, you're together. But when you don't have that fellowship, that, that it keeps you separated. Dems, Republicans. At some point, it's not about, it's my friend. Uh, how's your family? How's the children doing? You know, I don't, I don't even, I hate to say it, some of the Republican members, I don't even know them. Right. Some of the Democrats, I, I'm just right. meeting because they're in and out, so, uh, spinning doors. So you don't get, like, when I, you remember when I came around, we, you remember, just, the, you know, but that's, that's one thing. Uh, and for listeners out there, okay. Representative Pierce is talking about the 2007, 2008 Lobbying reform, yes. which barred lobbyists yeah. from being able to take uh, legislators out to dinner. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was a big. That's and that's that's when it really changed. Yeah. Since you asked that question, that's mm-hmm. that's what really changed because it was a, just a great time. Yeah. You know, we. Yeah. Uh, I gained so much weight. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Eating steaks at nine or ten o'clock at night. Oh God. But but I think that's one of the biggest things. If, if, I think most people would really agree that that was a. Change the whole general assembly. We call this our magic wand question. If you had a magic wand and you could fix one thing in our politics today, what would it be? I think that's what I would do. Find a way, and I don't want to get too far over here with it. The people choose their legislators and we don't choose our people, you know. Okay. And I think that's a good way because I think, are you ever going to get away from the party labor in the general assembly? I doubt that. But it's got to be a way that, that well, here it is. 60-60, I mean, make it close so you have to work with one another. That's it. Okay. Now you, you really, you can say, well, we listen, but time to vote, and the game is over. So I think that's a good, that's a good question. That if the more, the close, the, the, if the numbers were a little bit tighter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're not going to have a 60-60. Leave that alone. But, <laughs> but, you know, but I think that would make the difference where you have, where you have to really sit down and talk to get to get the deal done but yeah you, know, you don't really have to if you don't you can talk but if you don't really want to do that 
You don't have to. And I think really that's what citizens probably would want. Uh, a lot of legislators might not want that, but I think that would be uh, more of, it would be everybody represented in the general, where we come from. The, the citizens would be better, uh, they, you know, helped. The closer it is, you can get more compromise and work together. You'd have to compromise sure. and work together to get it done. Well, Representative Garland Pierce, we appreciate everything you do in the General Assembly, everything you're doing. I didn't doing want to make this a comic hour. Politics. I hope I didn't make it a comic you hour. Didn't. Now. I don't, I just, I'm, just, I'm just jubilant and just, you know, happy, you know, just to be here and just to, you know, I think we, we got to just, that's why you, you, you have to be in Raleigh because if you don't, you, you get bitter. I don't want to be bitter. Yeah. Been here too long. You'd be great. Well, you certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for allowing me. Can I come back again? Yeah, you can. Okay. Anytime you want, this this seat is open for you. I'll put my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> good morning to listeners. I hope that we've said something that might encourage somebody. And do have a good day. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Sarah. The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. If it's not obvious, I really do think a lot of Representative Garland Pierce. What a great personality, such an affable guy. Where he, his office is in the General Assembly, and we tend to congregate over there on the speaker's side, I'm on the second floor, if he sees us, he always makes a point, Sky, to come over and talk and chat. He's just such a pleasant guy. And I'm very proud to see him in this position in the House, his, uh, his willingness to put himself out there, like we said in the interview, came out of a very tough campaign. And, you know, I think he is, he feels like he's doing the best he can for his district in a very changing area of the state. And you might be out there judging him. And I'd say, you know, you really need to go spend some time in that area of the state and see how it's changing. Those who are supporting him, that's fine too. But just know that this guy, it takes courage to do this kind of work. There is nothing lonelier than being in the middle right now in North Carolina politics. Tweet Tweet of of the week. week. This week's Tweet of the Week is from Addison McDowell. He's at Addison underscore MCD on Twitter. He tweeted, I've seen enough. Anyone that wants to join, bring a shovel. We're digging a tunnel between the LB and the LOB. (laughs) I'm in the rain, walking in between the buildings. Oh, it's terrible. And I'm wearing the most uncomfortable shoes I have rain shoes. Okay, we do not need to do this again. Every time you're like, oh, my my feet hurt in my shoes. It's like, look around at all of the women who are wearing heels and <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I wear rain. I have, I have shoes just for the rain. Wow. And they really pinch my pinky toes. Oh. <laughs> I know your pinky toes okay. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're fine, but I'm looking forward to some sunshine getting some vitamin D, getting those serotonin, you know, juices flowing, those receptors receiving and all that. I need sunshine. And yeah, I'm all about digging something. So this podcast is your pride and joy. 
I'm very proud of it. Yeah, I love the podcast. You check the numbers all the time. I do. And you place a lot of weight in what people say about us. And it turns out some people, (laughs) they don't like us. Well, let's just point out, most people do like us. And if Brian knows of someone who doesn't like him, he will try to get them to like him. (laughs) But that's a whole other issue. Yeah, (laughs) that's something to work out with (laughs) your therapist. (laughs) Yeah, that's my own problem. You don't want to hear about that. But yeah, so a lot of folks stop us in the building, say, hey, we love the podcast. They'll tell us their favorite interview. They love what we're doing. But then every once in a while, I'll check our reviews. And while we're, our reviews are great, for the most part, we have a few people who really say some mean crap about <laughs> us. Yeah, welcome to the internet. <laughs> Thought maybe we would read some of these. It might be a little cleansing activity for us here. Go ahead. All right, so we're only reading the bad ones. We're not going to read these good ones like, you know... Now, we're a must-listen or anything like that, but here's one that came through last week. Uh, Lizard people (laughs) interviewing lizard people. Lobbyists lobbing softball questions at and joking around white supremacists, neo-fascists, January 6th co-conspirators, and more. After the events of January 6th, a truly disgusting, ignorant podcast. There's another one. This was from September. There are much better things to do with your time than listen to these two babble about the same old stuff. It's like, that's what a job is, ma'am. <laughs> and it's titled, Waste, Waste of, of Time. time. <laughs> yeah. Here's one from the summertime. Lobbyist, no thanks. North Carolina politics would be better without lobbyists influencing our legislators' decisions. I felt like our democracy eroded a bit with each episode and can't stomach this pod any longer. And, you know, I know a lot of our listeners know this. The, the, the mission of the podcast is we're not here trying to break any news. Today's interview with Garland Pierce, the more you learn about him and his background, where he comes from, his district, the better you understand how to lobby him the better you understand how to work with him as a legislator, the better you understand him as maybe your legislator back home. We're not sitting here, you know, trying to get to the bottom of some policy uh, debate. We're trying to learn about the legislator, the person. And that's the service we're providing. You know, this isn't 60 Minutes over here. We never claimed it was. (laughs) So, you know, not to sound defensive here. Yeah, that didn't sound defensive. Not at all. But, you know, that's just understand what we're trying to do. Yeah. Well, I don't think that those people are, like, continuing to listen, you know. I think they do. We've probably lost them. Yeah. We'll keep on. You know, You know, one way to combat some of these bad reviews, listener. <laughs> Leave a good one. Leave a good one. Say something nice about us. Because here's the or thing. Or about somebody else. It doesn't have to be about us. Yeah. I mean, it could be about Garland Pierce today. We will return to you next week with the news of the week, a new interview, and much more. Until then, please remember, stay warm and do politics better.